Welcome to the E6 podcast from Colonial Church, a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what is going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as followers of Jesus. My name is Brooke. This is episode number 50. Number 50, the big five zero. How you doing, Lord? I don't know why that sounds so cool. Like, it's a you, milestone. Back when we had. That's the David Robinson of numbers. Ooh, good. There reference. are 50 states in the Union. Good reference. Hawaii. The Roman numeral L. The atomic number of 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. The year of Jubilee. <laughs> That's all I got. I don't know. I about to say, I feel like you're prepared. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Like, back when we were like, okay, it's episode four. I know. I'm like, yeah. like wow, we are such rookies at this. And episode <laughs> 50, sound, that, is an, that is an achievement. I think so. I like it. I think it's an achievement. Uh, I apologize. Uh, my family is dealing with COVID. And so I have a mask on, which is interesting to talk through a mask into a microphone where the microphone likes to catch on to the mask. And so it's all crinkly. And every time I take a breath, it's like crinkly again. And so sorry for the audio there. I'm hoping it doesn't really make a difference, but I appreciate you coming in. We're across the room from each other, um, just trying to play it safe. But at the same time, um, man, it's the world we're living in these days, right? Uh I saw it was you last week. It was me. It was, I didn't, I just to be clear, I didn't test positive, but my daughter, um, all signs point to her having had it or something flu like very similar. She had a really rough week, but mm. because I'm vaccinated, I, our doctor said, Hey, just, just stay home for a few days. And yeah. Um, so all that to say, man, yesterday we were missing you and Tanner and, uh, a couple other staff had family members yep. that were dealing with it, and uh, probably all of us, even our, our all of our listeners, could could rattle off several names of people they know that that have been tested positive or been struggling with it recently. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely going around again. Yes, it is, and I guess it's fortunate that it's not nearly. It doesn't seem nearly as. Uh, um, as bad, the symptoms don't seem nearly as bad. That doesn't mean that it's good by any means, but it does seem to be pretty contagious compared to yeah. previous ones. I don't know. It does. This this is my expert medical opinion, by the way, <laughs> which I'm always willing to bring. Um, oh boy! It seems to me, anecdotally, I have no data for mm-hmm. this, that it's it's much more contagious, but also. Um, I don't know if it's just because of vaccinated people or boosters or, or, or there's this variant, but it just seems, it seems milder for many of the people that I've connected with. I, I, I need to stop talking cause I don't know what that translates into when it comes <laughs> to hospitalizations or, um, I mean, I just caught wind of some awful news of a family that used to go to colonial many, many years ago, mm. um, where, you know, she's relatively young and she passed away, um, just yesterday, I believe. Man. And so, um, it's not nothing. It's not. It's sure. not uh, something we're being dismissive of at all. Right. It just seems to me, thankfully, that um, it, it, maybe that's just our re- maybe that's just our comfort level. To, you know, almost two years into this craziness, with okay, yeah, gotta be, gotta gotta be careful. Yeah, okay, gotta wash my hands. Okay, <laughs> yeah, gotta gotta be thoughtful towards some other folks just because it's in my house, you know, or. Mm. Um, and as we joked about last week, 
I, I really feel like we're all on the same page now. We're all dealing with it the same way. <laughs> exactly. And nobody's upset with other people anymore. Never. Right? No, yeah. Facebook is completely void of any arguments or poking fun yeah. at anything, so it's great. There's no more death threats of medical professionals. <laughs> Uh, well, we have a good interview today with Pastor Ken Holsbury from 10th and Broad Church of Christ. This, uh, so you want to stick around for that. Um, this is, uh, he is the, this, their, their speaking pastor, or preaching Preaching pastor, minister. Preaching minister. Preaching minister, yes. there it is, yeah. And uh, so I got a chance to sit down with him and talk about uh, Awaken, because they are the ones that, that brought it to Wichita Falls, so we got a chance to have a conversation about that, so that'll be fun too. But first, but first... Uh, the Eagles lost in the playoffs, <laughs> which was fully expected, but the Cowboys... Wait, the Eagles, is that the Boston College Eagles? I'm basically. Not, I'm fa- not it might as well have been. It's not any better than that. But, you know, can we just... the Cowboys, can we just get them the, boys going to the Super Bowl. How, can, can we just get this done <laughs> over with? <laughs> it was awful. I, I, I remember when Romo <laughs> fumbled the, the, I equally the field do, yes. goal... Uh, hold uh-huh. against Seattle, and yep. I—I I don't know if I cried outside, but on the inside, <laughs> on I the cried. inside, I was dying. <laughs> but I think this is uh. right up there. It's like <laughs> we're just—we were terrible. Uh, Expectation when expectations, yeah, that's what I'm saying. don't yeah, meet yeah. reality. Yeah, that I heard someone one time definite define frustration. What is frustration? Frustration yeah. is when expectations do not meet reality, and so you know. If you're a 49ers fan, you're like, oh, we were okay this year. Oh, look, we hey, won again. It's just, moving on. But, All right. but for uh, for Dallas fans, anybody who hates the Cowboys, yourself included, it was a pretty sweet day <laughs> it yesterday. Was, it was wonderful. <laughs> I won't tell you what happened at my house when Romo fumbled that snap again. Can we? Why did I bring that up? You did. It was, it was a painful you. memory. I, I was not going to go there. Let's but. go back to a, a present day <laughs> painful memory. Hashtag fire Mike McCarthy. Um, <laughs> So oh, I drove yeah. over to my parents' house yesterday after church, had lunch with my girls, and then drove to a couple hours east to my parents' house and uh, sat next to my dad and my mom and watched the Cowboys debacle. Mm. And uh, That's a fun drive home. It was a fun drive home, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's well worth seeing my parents, um, but sure, my dad is the one who indoctrinated me as a Cowboys <laughs> fan. So, how do you, How does your dad handle it? Uh, he cares less as he gets older. Yeah, it's probably his coping mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> my parents would. My parents would. Uh, it wasn't Dallas Cowboys, but but my parents would like get frustrated or whatever when watching an OU game or something when I was growing up, and they would go and leave the room. Yeah, they would go do something else. Yeah, and, like my mom would go garden, and then she would come back in just to see are they doing better because I'm not watching now. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's how she would, that's how she would cope with it. They, they, they would leave the room and come back and I just always sit through the pain and, yeah. and suffer. And I, you, I haven't decided if they were, they were smarter, I was dumb or what, but you know what I do, I do have what I feel like is a, a remotely deep thought here. I'm, I'm being serious. Ooh. I'm being serious. Um, my brother lost, uh, his wife, uh, because of COVID and complications that came soon after, mm. Um, earlier this fall, this past fall. And a lot of people know, a lot of our colonial folks know, been praying for him, even in his grieving and for his two boys. And he's doing really well. Thank you for your continued prayers for my brother, Lance. Um, But my brother and I are diehard Cowboys fans. And so uh, we have 
gone to Cowboys Stadium before. We've got jerseys. He just bought me a Dak Prescott jersey even just like a month ago just mm. for fun. Um, we're just diehard fans, and we text each other during games or we're on the phone during games or all those kind of things. And he he told me before yesterday's game something along these lines, but then he texted me a, a long text after, and he basically said, you know, it's it's sad that it takes pain and loss to do this to you, but he said, you know, I just have a different perspective mm. about what matters. And so I was really excited about the Cowboys game, he said. I was really bummed when we lost. And pretty quickly I was like, eh. Moving on. Okay, moving on to things that really matter. Yeah. And I, dare I say it, I almost envy that. Like, mm. I, I don't envy his pain. I don't envy his loss. I don't mean that at all. But, you know, one of the good things that only pain can teach us is, okay, let's reframe things. Well, let's let's re-examine what really matters. Yeah. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? Mm. Um, and so I, I even walked away last night. I mean, I was still just irritable and <laughs> frustrated <laughs> with my sports team. But I was encouraged by my brother. I was encouraged yeah. to hear him just add, hey, it didn't really matter. Let's, how's your family, you know? Mm. <laughs> so... I told you it was kind of a deep thought. Putting sports in perspective. Yeah, putting sports. There you go. There's a fine line between the joy and um, just richness of different activities and things in this world and idolatry, if I can just jump mm. right to that, you know. And and I, I, I probably need to be honest and say I struggle with that. I struggle with, at times, my love for Baylor sports or my love for – for basketball specifically or football specifically is just a, it's just a healthy, mm. rich, fun thing. Mm. And there's other brief moments or, or seasons that I'm, I, I care too much. I'm wasting time. I'm letting it affect me, which then ripple effects to how I parent or how I love my wife or, yeah. or how we spend our time and money. And so you, that's a healthy question of reflection is yeah where are these where is there a good thing in my life that's become an idol mm-hmm. so i mean it's a good it's a good even even to uh to consider okay what is this how does this affect my mood and the people around me yeah you know whether you can whether you can come to the point of saying yeah this is an idol in my life or you just start to you know maybe it's just the starting starting to realize that when the team I like loses, yeah. <laughs> I am irritable and I treat people. I, yeah. I respond shortly to people and yeah. um, I drive worse and ang- more angry. And it's true. you know, uh, or am I uh, more excited about a touchdown than mm-hmm. life change around me? So I will say on, on a lighter note, one of my good friends, uh, one of my best friends down in Houston, he we were lamenting. Um, or commiserating via text last night. He's like, <laughs> he's like, Lauren, you, you're fine. I have been my entire life. I've been a Dallas Cowboys fan, a Texas Rangers fan, and a Texas Aggie, and I have about 150 years of sorrow <laughs> and about four years of wonderful. <laughs> that's right, Johnny Manziel. Yep, and catch your moment. Gone. Yep, that's right. So uh, Awaken, we're only a couple of weeks away from yes. kicking off Awaken as we move on away from uh, a hard pivot to <laughs> to not sports. Um, we are. What are you excited about? We're going to talk to uh, we're going to talk to Pastor Ken here in a little bit. Just kind of get his his thoughts of where it came from and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, what are you excited about with Awaken around the corner? Uh, 
We have uh, almost all of our packets are gone, and we're trying to get more this week so we can have some for this weekend, yeah. expecting that we can grab some from a church that has told us we have some available, just working out details there. But what are you excited about? Well, real quick, I do want to be specific. We, we're counting on getting a bunch more packets for, for this Sunday. So for any of you that haven't gotten one yet, you got you got to grab one this Sunday. We're doing all we can to, to make sure we have plenty. Um, two things immediately come to mind. Uh, intentionality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's prayer and fasting. Those are spiritual disciplines. And so it's it's stepping into something on purpose. Yeah. It's it's a practice. It's it's an activity. It's not an idea. It's it's something that that I'm excited for myself personally. I'm excited for my wife, me and I, uh, Carrie and I, to do it together at some level. I'm excited for our church, and then and then not just the intentionality of it, but I I just get so excited about the collective mm-hmm. uh, aspect of it. Uh, our whole church doing this, uh, nine churches across our city doing this. Um, I, I just. I think both the intentionality and the collective experience of it are, are the two things that get me really excited. You know, I, I will say I'm, I, I hope people do take uh, 20 minutes or so to listen to your interview with, with Ken Holsbury this past week. Um, he does a good job of, of kind of re-explaining uh, what Awaken is, which we've done a little bit here and on Sundays. But also he, he shares a little bit about the history of where did Awaken even come from? Where right. did he get the idea to bring it to Wichita Falls? And then the one thing, can I go ahead and say this, that, that jumped out in the interview that that we haven't talked about that is central to this Awaken experience for all of our churches is, is specifically praying for mm-hmm. people who don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, I've made a bigger deal teaching the last couple of weeks about, okay, me as a disciple of Jesus stepping into prayer, me right. as a disciple of Jesus stepping into fasting. We're going to get real practical this coming Sunday with, okay, how do we do that? What are, what are the how-tos of doing it? How are we going to experience it together? But I still haven't even scratched the surface of part of where this even came from in the beginning was, um, spoiler alert, was the guy that started this out in Nashville, you'll hear more about from from Ken, uh, he felt like the Lord was saying, what would you do if one of your sons, mm-hmm. one of your kids right. went missing? That's how God feels about his lost kids, his people who don't even know what they're missing, don't even know who they're missing, don't know him. And, and that's what led this movement out in Nashville, which now has come to Wichita Falls, is we've got 104,000 plus people here in Wichita Falls, uh, I would venture to to speculate based on church attendance numbers that that you know somewhere between 70 80% yeah. of our city does not know Jesus does not go to church regularly does not profess to be a Christian which is a little bit crazy because we're in the Bible belt we're not in San Francisco we're not in Denver where I used to live mm. but that's reality and so for us just to to collectively lift up all these people by name and people that we work with and go to school with and live next door to that don't know Jesus. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I agree. It's, it's fun to, uh, to do it as a whole church. It's also, uh, it's also exciting to be able to do it along with, you know, eight other churches and, and, and dream about the future of what that could look like. And, um, but at the same time, I love the intentionality of, uh, it's not just I'm praying, praying and fasting for me or my family or whatever, 
but also that that intentionality of of praying about our uh, praying for our neighbors and the people that we're around and the people yeah. that we see and so that's that's one of the things that that that's really exciting about it it's not just a okay it's the beginning of the year so we're gonna do a prayer and fasting thing and yeah um and you know i i i'm sure there's some level of uh uh, non-excitement just because, you know, sometimes we just, we kind of get in a rut and doing the same things that we've always done and that kind of thing. And especially me who doesn't sure. rely on tradition, but you know, so just to have a different, a different focus on it is really cool. I yeah. Think. A fresh, fresh challenge, yeah. a fresh experience. Well, and, and I, I've heard you and others that have been here at Colonial longer than me say, you know, we've, we've had, uh, some practice at this. We've had, mm-hmm. You know, several of the last few years, we've had uh, the first 21 days of the year fast or the first, you know, month of the year we fast and pray. Um, and we did, I know we did, was it last year or the year before that we did it here? I think it was last year. Last year. year. Yeah, we, we made a lot of things available digitally just mm-hmm. because we were, you know, in the midst of the pandemic. And uh, But this is new. This is, this is a new way of um, reaching across almost said the aisle that wow. sounds political this this is a new way of, of reaching down the street you know yeah. different different yeah. camps of our church church family with a big capital c and and doing something together um i i liked how i i don't i don't have the history here that a lot of people have but but ken holsbury has been here in wichita falls for a bunch of years mm-hmm. and i i thought it was fascinating that he mentioned the drought um, yeah, that that I still catch wind of every once in a while, right? Which I think he said 2011. Uh, is that, what, is that when was, the drought was? I believe it was a five year deal. We got here, our, my family moved here in 2015, and they it was like on the tail end of okay. it. Like it started raining the yeah. day we moved in. So okay, yeah, literally, you brought so, the rain. I brought the rain. But uh, I loved him him even referencing that, saying that brought us together yeah. that he yeah. he said they even partnered with us at colonial right so that's pretty cool yeah so there was there was some connection among some churches around that crisis uh you know when the pandemic started uh march of 2020 mm-hmm. and everybody was freaking out it brought i remember 17 church pastors came together to pray and just talk about hey what are you guys doing what are yeah. you guys doing what are you guys doing and and guess how often we've gotten together since then? Mm-hmm. It, it's it it takes crisis. It takes yep. a shared focus. It takes a shared need that we want to try to meet. Yeah, uh, a shared burden in this case for people who don't know Christ who uh, in our city. Um, I, I hate that it takes that, but I love that. Okay, we get to do this now. Right, we get to respond, and um, I'd be lying if I didn't say I'm hopeful from this more connection will come. So Yeah. I mean and, and I think I think the more times that we do we do things together, uh whether it's, you know, specific churches or whatever, you know, um or, or just in general we just continue to beat the drum of let's do things together. It just becomes easier and easier for people to jump on the bandwagon, if you will, and mm-hmm. and say, you know what? They've been doing that and they're still doing that. They don't seem, you know, on paper they don't seem to match up. But that's really cool. Let's, you know, what if we did, let's let's jump in this year and, mm. you know, even even as we looked at, you know, you, you and I talking about jumping on board with Awaken this year and, well, what if we did it this way or we did it this way and you know, kicking around some ideas of how we do it just to come to the to the point that we just said, you know what. This isn't our thing. It doesn't have to be our thing. Let's just join another church and what they're, you know, uh, other churches and join what they're doing and just do it. So, mm. um, I don't know. I think it, I think it's cool. Just it, it just 
to me, the more times we do things like this, the easier it gets for yes. us and everybody else to just say, yeah, we, we do things together. Yes. You know what you just made me think of? And I'm going to date myself, especially for our long time, nice. super, super churchy people. I like it when you date yourself. It's um, I probably date myself every other sentence, but <laughs> um, there's this study way back in the day called Experiencing God by uh-huh. uh, Henry Blackaby. And uh, it was formative uh, for me in my early 20s when I first came to Christ. Okay. It was a workbook, and it was just really cool. And the premise was quit trying to figure out what God wants you to do. Look around, see what God's already doing, and join him. Hmm. That was that was the premise. Yeah. And it changed my perspective. But what you know one thing I want to encourage you, Brooke, because I think you bring this to Colonial, is, okay, let's not try to create a new ministry that's going to care for this target population group. Mm-hmm. Or let's not try to start something from scratch that, oh, the, that church is already doing that. Um, or that agency in town's already trying to work toward that end. Let's partner with them. Let's yeah. see if we can support them. So great example is this Awaken thing. Like our heart is to unite the city, to unite the church of the city. And I love that, to your point, we didn't just, okay, let's go create something from scratch. It's, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, look what God's already doing mm-hmm. with with Ken Holsbury that we barely know from Church of Christ. And, and oh my goodness, the Methodists are joining and the Baptists are joining. And yeah. hey, let's... Let's just jump in, mm-hmm. even if it's not exactly how we would do it, or right. it's the resource we maybe would rather write our own. But you know what? Let's just use that resource, and I love that approach, and I I hope we continue that that take on just partnering with what God's already doing instead yeah. of. And in this season, I'm thrilled that we didn't try to write our own. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would have been. An undertaking, yeah. if you will. Uh, yeah, and I mean, and it's and it's also like you know how many how many times have you had a chance to uh, to talk to Ken and to get to know some other pastors right. and um, you know we we you were at at uh, you and I both went to a lunch over at uh, at at Tenth and Broad and you'd been there a, at least a couple of times and um, conversations that you've had had with him. I got to sit down and interview. You know, it's just like well, these are things that don't normally happen and. It's cool. It's, yeah. it's it's an opportunity. So I am curious how much comes from connection of us as leaders. You know, um, I crave more of that, and I I'm hopeful that that leads to a greater partnership, a greater unity. Uh, but I also don't know if you know X number of years later, oh, it's just a bunch of pastors that are friends and have coffee. <laughs> I mean, I, think, I, mean, I mean, that's if that's all it is, it's yeah. still a good thing. I'm yeah. not saying that's not worth it, uh, because because some of the ripple effect of that is immeasurable, unseen. You sure, know, it's it's as simple as people overhearing us just talk fondly of each mm-hmm. other or with respect toward other denominations, which is right. a little bit refreshing. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, but I'm I'm just saying idealistically I, I want more than that. Yeah. <laughs> want, yeah. I well, want... but I mean it's it's it just like just like we've talked about you know with our 20 year vision our 20 year vision is that we have a a network of churches around Wichita Falls and let's like yeah you got to start small you yeah. have to start we can't just assume that all the churches are going to line up and be like let's you know hold hands and sing kumbaya or whatever but but the fact that you know when a uh, when the pandemic hits, you have a list of people that are already people that you text and talk to, to rely on to say, hey, what what are you guys doing? Hey, let's pray together. When the snowstorm in in February of twenty one happens, and 
we have to, you know, we start scrambling because our building is out of power. How can we come together? We have a list of people that we're already connected with and already starting to do things with that, you know, I, so yeah, it may seem small, but I think it has to start there. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you completely. All right, so we so we are diving into prayer and fasting as far as our our sermon series goes um, this uh, th- this month leading up to awaken, just to kind of give us a um, some groundwork, some framework for stepping into February. Um, and this was week number two, correct? Correct. Right. Week, week number two. I forgot already. Of our awaken, of our prayer and fasting. Of our prayer series. and fasting series, yeah. right? Leading yeah, up one to more that. week. Yep. Okay. And then we'll dive into Awaken after that. So We actually will. Yeah, so this Sunday, the 23rd, we're going to get really practical. And one gentleman came up to me after church a little bit alarmed and said, I don't know if I can not eat for a month. <laughs> and, and I know me, he was... Me he, either, dude. He was me half joking. Either. He was half joking. Um, but but at least he, he revealed that we haven't really dug into yeah. a little more of the specifics right. of what that could look like for us. Right. And I'm excited about doing that this Sunday. Just saying we're going to be fasting for, for 30 days yeah. is, um, that sounds terrifying. There's, there's nuance to it. There's different, there's different <laughs> approaches. Yeah, absolutely. But then, so this Sunday we'll get practical. The following Sunday, which is the 30th of January, mm-hmm. is two days before the month of before February starts. Off, yep. Two days before we start on a, on a Tuesday, Tuesday, February 1st. But it'll really be diving into um, scripture and and what I really think is going to f- pr- uh, provide just the foundation of what we're experiencing for the month. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, you you kicked it off, um, not even really talking about prayer and fasting, but uh, with your uh, with your Dallas Willard quote. Like I think you read the entire chapter of. Um, of yeah, you of already gave me a hard time about that. I did not read the whole book or the chapter. It was. I thought it was a great point, though. Five or six slides. You know? That's right. It was only it was only ten minutes. Uh, uh, I thought it was a great point that he was talking about um, living all of our lives like Jesus and not just cherry picking the easier parts or the things that we're passionate about and, and, uh, you know, of his teachings like, Ooh, I care about kids. So therefore, yeah, Oh, I'm living like Jesus. It's like, well, maybe, maybe in that aspect. And, um, I wrote down one that said that, that I think it was towards the end of it that he said, the, uh, the secret then is to learn from Christ, how to live our life, our total lives, how to invest all our time and energies of mind and body as he did. Yeah. And I just thought, man, that's, not really a way that we look at the life of Jesus and his teachings. We tend to try to take like a couple of things, but we don't say, man, I, I really need to like reorient my entire life right. around him. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's individualism or Western culture or, or just the, the, the cultures that we grew up in. I don't know, but um, it, it's, it's just not a, oh, Following Jesus means yeah. literally. Uh, you know, what was your? You used the story of the uh, of the what was it? The rich young ruler. Rich young, rich young ruler. Yeah. That uh, it was like yeah. For him, it meant drop everything and sell all your stuff and yeah. Uh, that's a little far for me, Jesus. So sorry. Well, and even then, we think of the big moments like that. Like I, I, it, I don't know how much it resonates with people to to go to athletics, but it makes so much sense to me that. We we see that pass from Dak Prescott, you know, or Patrick Mahomes or whoever, in that crunch time into the corner of the end zone, just perfect pass or almost perfect, and we don't realize, okay, that's tied to what he ate for lunch every day, 
and and the the yeah. the the way he kept his body hydrated on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right. and the sleep he was getting consistently, and uh-huh. and so it's not just the are you going to love your enemies? Yeah, that's the big hard. Yeah, how often in a given week do I get that opportunity? It's it's more the daily practices. Yeah, when no one's looking, when I'm not at church. Uh, when I'm not faced with a really, really hard decision, mm. but what am I going to do that's going to translate into God continuing to transform me from the inside out? Um, I think training comes to mind. When I think of these spiritual disciplines, including prayer and fasting, uh, I really do think that training, there's a reason why Paul even uses the the analogy of training for, for a marathon, training for athletics, he, I guess he doesn't use the word marathon, but it goes that far back. You know, training for <laughs> athletics for that triathlon is trained yeah. so that you can win the race. Yeah, you know, um, and we're focusing on the last finish line scene of the race, mm-hmm. not not just the early part of the race or the middle part of the race, but also the preparation, the mm-hmm. stretching, also the the working out when no one's looking, the yeah. the getting outside and running when it's twenty four degrees and you don't really want to run that day, or <laughs> yeah. And so I think spiritually it really applies. Um, Jesus would break away and be alone and keep company with the Father and cry out to the Father and be refueled by the Father. And we don't make nearly as big a deal about that as we do when he raised Lazarus from the dead, mm-hmm. you know, or he taught that brilliant teaching on X. So, well, and they're all like they're all tied together. It's like it's it, even, all tied together. You know, you can't you can't you, we do it. We, yeah. we do say, well, but Jesus said we need to do this one thing, and we also don't, we don't tie that together with, well, he did it here and here and in this way, and also he cared for everyone, whether they were a centurion or a, um, a friend who just lost, some, you know, lost their brother or a person, you know, but it's just like everything is all tied together, and so we, we do that, but it's like it doesn't make sense in the story because... It's all one thing. No. No. Yep. I do. I do want to. Um, I think it's a good time as any on our podcast to to share. I want to remind people that uh, that's a great read if you're interested at all into stepping more into spiritual disciplines. Uh, I quoted uh, as you joked uh, a lot uh, <laughs> from Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. It was required for me in seminary way back in the day. It's it's a classic on different spiritual disciplines that have been practiced by Christians uh, across the globe, across the centuries. Um, it's a little heady. Uh, there's another book that I want to recommend by John Ortberg. We'll put these in the show notes, links in these show notes. And John Ortberg's book is called The Life You've Always Wanted. Uh, I know Tanner has read it. We've talked about it recently here. Um, John it writes uh, and and self describes his book as Dallas for Dummies. <laughs> <laughs> so he looks at Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, has tremendous respect for Willard's work and and how helpful it can be. But then Ortberg is such a great teacher. He's a pastor out in California, and he just makes it more accessible. And so the life you've always wanted is such a great read on this this uh, idea of different practices, different spiritual disciplines we can step into. Um, one other classic that I, I can't not mention, right up there with with Willard's Spirit of the Disciplines, is Richard Foster's 
celebration of discipline. Uh, and it just breaks down, I think, about a dozen different uh, spiritual disciplines, including, by the way, prayer, including fasting, and uh, really helpful stuff, really mm. good stuff. We'll put all, the, all those books. For you avid readers out there, or for any one of you that wants to just dig in a little deeper with spiritual disciplines, uh, it's a good time to do that and to grab one of these books, for sure. You know what that makes me think of, What's that? Brooke, is I, I don't know how much we talk about, I, I think I like to think we, we embody this and we're communicating this without using words, but that I know you and I both know, I know you well, we're, we've become good friends and, and partners in ministry here at Colonial. We really value learning mm-hmm. from people different than us. Um, I, I hope, I hope I I hope that's accurate for, for me. <laughs> I, I tell myself I do. Yeah, right. But, but you know what the books I just rattled off? Uh, Dallas Willard is a Southern Baptist, went to Baylor, so he's obviously got to be amazing. Um, <laughs> Richard Foster, who wrote this other classic, Celebration of Discipline, he's a Quaker. He's mm. officially part of the Evangelical Friends Church, really small, uh, unique denomination. Uh, and then uh, John Ortberg, who wrote The Life You've Always Wanted, uh, he's a Presbyterian from from California. Those crazy, you know, people out there in California, and these are my favorite three books, most influential books to me on the spirit. Excuse me, on the spiritual disciplines, and so it's just a reminder to me how we have so much to learn from people who aren't in our little box, yeah. who don't think exactly like we do, who don't have the life experience or the background culturally like we do. Um, it made me think, I know I was talking to you before we started recording, there are two books that I tell myself I'm going to read every year, and uh, I'm just going to give you more books today. Uh, I don't do it faithfully, but more often than not, year to year, I read these two. They're both short reads. One is Henry Nouwen's book, um, In the Name of Jesus. Okay. It's on leadership. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, and then another short read uh that's really old from like, I think it was written in the early fifties or maybe the late forties, A.W. Tozer's book, the pursuit of God. Those are top two reads for me. Hmm. Um, and one's on leadership. One's on just, uh, just deep spiritual connection with the Lord. And guess what? Henry Nowen's Catholic and A.W. Tozer. Uh, I think he was wanting to be a Methodist minister way back in the day and they wouldn't let him because he didn't have the right education Hmm. and the right training. So he went to this little denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance, CMA. (laughs) And they're like, sure, you're 18. You seem pretty smart. (laughs) And, and he became their most famous ever, uh, pastor and theologian. These are not from my camp. These are not Mm. from my background. And they have been such informative, encouraging, convicting reads for me on leadership, on knowing Jesus, on serving the people around me, uh, on understanding the world. And so um, I hope that's one of the things we can do well here at Colonial is, you know, feel really, really good about our strong convictions and and stay true to, to scripture and doctrinal truth. And I hope all along the way we can be open to learning from people that are different than us, that that use different language than we do, or maybe even disagree with us on these three. I think that's one of the challenges in our culture today is if somebody disagrees with us on any one point, we just automatically throw them, them off. We, we call it cancel culture, call it whatever. Yeah. But, but is it possible to learn from someone 
who we disagree maybe on three or four really big things, hmm. but this other subject matter or this other part of what it means to know and follow Jesus is right on. It's truth, you know, um, or it's at least challenging and making me have to re rethink. Oh, no, no, I, I do believe what I already believe. That's, that's helpful. It provokes some thought, but no, I, I push that back. Mm-hmm. So to that end, can, can I put you on the spot? Okay. What, what is one or more authors that has challenged you in a way uh, that's just, they're not from your background? Or, or are there one or more books that you have told yourself, you know what, I need to read this book again and again from time to time because it's foundational, I think, to who the Lord wants me to be. Yeah. Any, any, I'm putting you on the spot. I realize that, but anybody come to mind? Well, let's see. Um, I mean, you you mentioned Henry now, and that's uh, you know, he was a Catholic priest. That's that's already different. Um, I think about um, uh, let's see, uh, Greg Boyle. Okay. Um, we talked about what was the mm. what was the book called? Um, Tattoos of the heart. Yeah, tattoos of the heart. Oh, you know, what a like, great read. Yeah, and there was, there, was it was it a Jesuit background, I believe. I can't remember. Off I the think Jesuit head. background working with with gang guys, the gang members, right? In in California, and yeah. you know, and it's 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 stories like that 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 tend to um, to they just they make me see things from a different perspective, yes. you know, and and um, I think growing up in the Bible Belt and in a Baptist church and. Um, you know, I just, as the 25 year old that I knew everything and I knew what I believed and all of that. And then I started re- <laughs> I started reading in my thirties and was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I sure thought I did. But like, I think about like, um, Steve Corbett and when helping hurts, mm. um, you know, and, and of course in, in what I, what I do that's here, a fun, that's an important, book. um, yeah. you know, makes me question like, Oh, well, let's just, uh, go build a house somewhere. And it's like, well, that house is going to be terrible. And <laughs> They're gonna to have to tear it down and do it all over Let's again. Let's talk about what would be more helpful. To yeah, these yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Craig Greenfield wrote a book called uh, "Subversive Jesus," mm. and um, again, just it's another one of those that humanizes the peoples that we that we ignore um, mm. or that we tend to to push out. Um, books uh, like uh, "Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes" or "Individualized," like individualist, individualistic. One of the two. I don't know. That's uh, um, E. Randolph Richards. It's written from a different cultural perspective. Right. That's so important. We're, we're trying. We're studying Jesus, who was Jewish, who lived yeah. on the other side of the planet two thousand years ago. Uh-huh. That's that's what that's when and where God chose to incarnate Himself. Yeah, exactly. And we we can't read it with American eyes. And we see it. We, we can't right. read it with. And so, like yeah. like those kinds of things. Um, there's a book called Prophetic Lament by Sun Chan Ra. That's uh, that's um, very much similar to that. It's like it's taking lamentations and breaking it down, and like talking about the the different genres that build it all up, and mm. like all this. And it was like way over my head, and I kept having to reread things because I was like, I don't know what that just said. <laughs> I need to read it again. And and at the end of it, I'm thinking, man, I need this for like all the books. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to understand, you know. So it's books like that that that, that get me out of my head and. Um, or what I think I know. Um, Lori Thomas, uh, when we started changing what my job was here, she was like, hey, I got a book for you. And it was a book called Touch by Rudy Rasmus, who was a guy who ended up doing um, a... He led a church in Houston um, that, that like catered is that, is to... Is that Church Under the Bridge? Or... Uh... 
Go ahead, keep going. I, I honestly I can't remember the name. I know what you're talking about. It's like a it's it's a it's pretty on, pretty. It's on the south side of now. Houston, and they 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 feed the homeless and yeah, and it's it's very much into the homeless ministry. Yeah. And uh, like one of the stories that stuck out to me from it was like somebody was like, "Hey, so what are we gonna do about these people as they were coming in?" And he was like, "Yeah, that's when I knew we were doing it right," you know. Um, mm. And so it's like stories like that um, that. Those are the things that that's like Love it. get me out of my head yeah. and um, and out of what I think I know. Yeah, you know, um, I uh, I just finished a book um, that was uh, Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes, and so it was just like packaging mm. all of the stories of Jesus through cultural, um, you know, like the ways that 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 a Middle Eastern person would have read would have read those stories or heard those stories and. Those things just, that's just like, right, I, I don't know what I'm... You know, I can't help but know. wonder, as you rattle off these books, I know you're an avid reader, I, I can't help but wonder how many of our listeners, as, as you're listening to Brooke talk, as you heard me rattle off a few books as well, you know, how, how pervasive is it in our church here at Colonial that, uh, like, if it's on a continuum, mm-hmm. you know, where are we individually... Put your, you know, listeners, put yourself somewhere on the on the continuum. Where are we on one extreme of, I don't want to hear or read uh, from or hear or, or be around anybody who doesn't think exactly like me. Yeah. Um, because I'm not comfortable with that because I don't think that's helpful to me. Yeah. Um, all the way to the other extreme of maybe even like, okay, I've never... I'm never reading any of the quote unquote good stuff. I'm never reading any of the things that really spur me on. I just want to be challenged. I want everything to be turned upside down. Yeah. Uh, I think I want to be on that continuum kind of all over the place. I want to, I want to read from some people that have a high value of scripture. Like I do Mm -hmm. that love Jesus, that, um, that can spur me on, on the main things. But I also want to occasionally, not all the time, but I want to occasionally expose myself to a different perspective, to maybe even reading, for example, as a pastor, reading some theology that I'll be like, you know what, I don't, I don't agree with that, but that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That makes me think, and that, that solidifies what I really believe, yeah. you know? And so much less the stories of just the, the narrative that people are living out right. that's in a different world, like, like the... A Jesuit priest li- living with gang members in LA. Yeah, like yeah. that is, that might as well be Mars to me, you know? <laughs> and yet I can learn from him. And, and that book is maybe my favorite book on, on grace. Just the way he, mm-hmm. the way he every day just loved people, no matter how they treated him, no matter what payoff there never was. <laughs> uh, and it takes that really foreign, hard story for it to make sense to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm wondering what our listeners are thinking right now and, and, and their comfort level is with that. But I know we live in a culture that, uh, by and large, you know, I'm not talking about colonial, I'm talking about just our Western culture of, uh, we find our, whether it's a news source or it's a favorite author or it's, uh, or it's a group of friends and we, we kind of isolate and I just, I think the trendy word the last bunch of years is echo chambers. You know, we we want to be in a an echo chamber that just echoes what we already think. Yeah. Um, maybe well, even subconsciously we do that. You yeah. Know? I was gonna say I think I think we I think we and, and I'll speak for myself. I've I have grown up 
Um, not, I don't think at the fault of, of anyone, but just our society just is like, yeah, well, you know, that's what we teach is that if it, if it, if it's something that bothers you or hurts you, you don't need to be exposed to it. Um, you know, let's, let's separate, as you said, let's, let's isolate ourselves. And, um, I think we do that in, in a lot of ways. It's safe. Yes. It's, well, I want to make sure that we're safe and that my kids don't let, you know, they don't learn these things. And but to distinguish, we're not talking about. Like, I think we should do that for our four-year-olds. I think we should definitely do that for our eight-year-olds. I think we should do that for our 12-year-olds at some slightly lesser level. But along that, you know, But you growth, use, the, use the word continuum. It's like, yeah, it's well, on a you continuum. know, but what, I would, what I'm keeping my at, four-year-old safe from, at I 50, shouldn't be keeping At 52, my... I need to be engaging. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think it, we, we moved to Denver, Colorado. Let me make it real here. When we moved to Denver, Colorado, and my kids were really little, um... I loved, loved that so many people we did life with didn't go to church. Hmm. I loved that it wasn't normal to be a part of a church. It yeah. wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. It wasn't standard. It wasn't um, commonly accepted to be a, a faithful Christian. Um, and not that Denver's a crazy place, but it just wasn't the Bible Belt anymore. It wasn't Texas, and I loved that because hmm. for me, in my thirties and forties, I loved. That it was pushing me. Okay, how do I how do I own my faith? How do right. I live this out in this context? Right. What I began to find though is, oh, now my daughters have teachers who don't have a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could go on and on about life choices and different you know ways of thinking. That I was like, ah, that's what's being taught to my kids, and it, it that part of it made me want to move back to Texas. <laughs> Um, not that this is, you know, heaven, but this is a place where, you know, I've got, I've got my kids at school who at least have some teachers who love Jesus. At least some of their coaches, you know, go to church with us or somebody else, or there's, it's a different culture for my kids. Mm -hmm. For me as an adult, I want to live in New York. I want to live in Denver. I want to live back in Germany where I grew up, where nobody's going to church. Oh, you want to follow Jesus? Yeah. You, you want, it's back to subversive Jesus, the Craig Grenfell book. It's. What does it look like to, to, to engage with culture that's different than you mm-hmm. and be faithful, which we don't want for our four-year-olds, but I want for me at 52. Yeah. So I, I think we, I digress a little bit, but I think that comes into our reading and, and even to bring it all the way back to Awaken, to partner with these other churches that are different than us, mm-hmm. to read a book like Spirit of the Disciplines or Life You've Always Wanted from a different kind of author and come back to one of our radical minimums. God, what are you saying? Yeah. What do you want me to hear? And, and now what do you want me to do about it? I mean, it's, and it's something you have to, we have to consciously choose. It's not just going to happen. You have to say, I mean, that was, that's how it was for me. It was like, I had to go and say, okay, I know from what I've heard, I don't agree with this person, but I'm going to read their book. And maybe I, you know, yell things as I'm mowing the lawn and listening to it, then I'm like, I don't agree with you or whatever. But, you know, I still have to make a conscious decision to say, okay, I got to think outside of whatever my worldview is or whatever it has, you know, my, my point of view that's changed in my perspective. And, um, and, and I mean, it's even changed the way that I have that, that I parent the conversations that I have with my kids. And, Mm. you know, you talk about that continuum and it's like, okay, well, here's some things I'd love for you to learn. Well, here's a, 
a, you know, a packaged version of that, that on down the road, hopefully we'll be like, oh yeah, we have always learned these kinds of things. And I will tell you a quick glimpse into the joy of parenting my kids that are getting older <laughs> is I, I'm now starting to have those, I'm, I'm scratching the surface mm. of adult conversations yeah. with my kids. Yeah. I know some of our listeners may be older or have kids that are older and you're way ahead of us, but you know, Brooke's oldest is 12, I almost. think. Almost. Almost 12. My oldest is uh, 18 and a half. Uh, and just, oh, it's so fun hmm. for them to bring up substantive conversation yeah. or to have their own, starting just barely to have their own thoughts that are different than mine or something they read that they're yeah. talking about. Yeah. And or something they're learning from a friend or from church or from, you know, a, a non-Christian professor at Oklahoma State right now, you know, and she's going to be challenged more mm -hmm. and more the next few years with different worldviews. And I, oh, it's so fun. I did. I didn't even know how to anticipate that, but it's I'm not in protective mode nearly as much as I'm just trying to enjoy it and yeah. watch them. Yeah stretch and discover and grow it's it's oh it's fun see i'm i'm, I'm also like uh, obviously as we said my, my oldest is 12 so we're not we're not anywhere near that yet but i have been able to watch my um my immediate family uh, my you know my my sisters and my sisters and my brother and and my parents um deal with the same kinds of things like now we're kind of scattered and so it usually happens like while we're on vacation and everybody happens to you know whoever happens to be there and so i get to watch those kinds of things and watch my parents try to figure out how to deal with this. And, you know, one of them will take it in one way and another one will continue the conversation or, or the other way around. It's just, it's just interesting to, to, to watch even from the side of, oh yeah, I'm probably doing that to them too. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I All love right. Before it. we wrap it up, I had one more thought that, that stuck out to me that I thought was interesting. Um, uh, from your, you, you, as you're talking about fasting, you started giving us examples throughout the Bible of where fasting uh, occurred, and and one of them specifically stuck out to me, and it was the um, it was the 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 reference of David um, fasting and praying for his, for his son who for was his son dying because yeah. all of the other ones like well, at least at least most of the rest of them are like you know the, well, obviously Jesus and <laughs> Jesus did it because you know, well he was perfect and that's what he does and so he he knew the results on the other end of things but. Although, you know, the Old Testament ones, it's like, well, we're going to pray and fast over the people, and we're going to pray and fast over the land or whatever. But this one, this is, you know, it's David who has just committed adultery and uh, and and just really messed up. And Nathan, Nathan, right? Yes. Nathan's calling him out. Yes. And and he's like, man, your your son is 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 now a deathly ill and going to die. Mm. And David says, you know what? Okay, I'm going to go pray and fast for my son. And he does it. And seven days in, kid dies anyway. Yep. You know, and as brutal as that is, it was an example of I'm doing what I'm, what, what happens regardless of whether or not that makes my son come back, you know, that my, that, that yes. heals my family or whatever, that he doesn't get to the other side and say, oh, I just wasted an entire week. He got to the other side and said, "No, that's what I was supposed to do, because and now it's time to now and now it's time to move on." Obviously, it's a brutal story, but mm. um, that that one's just that one stuck out to me. It's just like it's not a it's not as you said it's not if it's not if you fast, but when you fast, mm -hmm. and and it's not about the reward. So it's not about right. I'm going to fast because my 
cause and effect or, or like 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 yeah for me right now my mm-hmm. wife dealing with covid if i was if i was to pray and fast there's no promise that on the other side of that she's going to be like i'm going to say okay i'm going to pray and fast for 30 days and all of a sudden she's going to be healed Ooh. the end i know this that doesn't mean that she wouldn't but it's just i thought that w- that one just stuck out to me as it's like man you don't know the results yeah and it didn't it didn't change the fact that he was still going to do it no doubt you know when when i shared that example um i knew that in the <laughs> middle of our auditorium uh sat a mother mm. whose child is very sick um scary sick uh doing pretty well actually recently but uh talk about this is not just a Mm-hmm. A teaching moment. This is this is life, you know, coming mm-hmm. off the pages, and um, we're supposed to fast. It's so clear from Scripture. This is something we are to do, and it's not a product we buy. Hey, if I buy that product, this is what it's going to give me. God does promise He'll reward us, but we always have to remember: okay, reward to us might not yeah, mean yeah. what reward means to God. But to your point. Um, I, I love, we can learn a couple things from that passage. I looked it up real quick as you said. This is in 2 Samuel 12, if anybody wants to look it up. In fact, can I just read it? I'm going to read Go it right it. here. It says, uh, his, his, we're going to pick it up in the middle of the story. David begged, this is verse 16, 2 Samuel 12, verse 16. David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat with him, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, so this is clearly he fasted for a week. Then on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. He wouldn't listen to reason while the child was ill. They said, what drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. And his advisors were amazed. We don't understand you. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead, you have stopped your mourning and are eating again. And David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. So a couple quick thoughts mm-hmm. on that teachable moment. One is if you're if if you didn't know this already, um, this is where this is one of those rare places in Scripture where we have confidence that um, I have confidence. I'll speak for me that when our baby dies, when our infant dies, when our newborn dies, when our toddler dies, um, the the question is like, okay, they didn't pray to accept Christ yet. They didn't become a Christian yet. How do we know they're going to be in heaven? How do we know we're going to ever see them again? And we go to this passage. This is one of the rare places in Scripture where David says, hey, I, I will go to him one day, my, my little one that just passed. Uh, in our Baptist world, if I can go down this rabbit trail, we, we talk about um, there's this term called the age of accountability. Um, are we going to hold a guy like me, 52 years old, to, to whether or not I'm going to choose to surrender my life to the king, to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of know what I'm doing, and I have enough information. And Romans 1 even says, humanity, we're without excuse. We should know. Uh, are we going to hold a two-year-old or a newborn uh, or a, a baby that dies in the womb? Uh, are we going to hold them accountable to the choice they made, whether or not to submit their life to the king? No, we're not. Yeah. 
And this is this is where if you're ever curious, this is where this comes from is David uh, lamenting the loss of his child, but also saying, I'm going to I'm going to see him again. He can't come back to me, but I, I'm going to go to him now when it comes to fasting. To your point, it, it's David didn't fast and go, hey, man, if I do this, if I do this really hard, if mm-hmm. I do this really well, then he's going to save my kid. No, he he said, perhaps I, I'm going to I know what God can do. I hope he will. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna cry out to him. And then when he doesn't, what does David do? He he gets up and he eats, and he goes to the tabernacle and he worships. He doesn't let it put a wedge between him and God. Mm-hmm. He doesn't let it make him into a cynical, skeptical, bitter man. He continues to trust God. He trusts that he can't see what God can see. He's still, I trust, really sad. Uh, but he turns around and says, I- "I'm gonna see him again, and I'm I'm gonna worship." worship my Lord. Um, it's a powerful example. I think I hear a sermon coming on. Mm. Um, it's a powerful example <laughs> of trusting God despite, um, what happened today yeah. or, or I didn't get what I wanted. I'm still going to trust God. Or yeah. I prayed and fasted for a month in February of 2022. And at least these two things, I really just cried out to God for every day for a month. Didn't work out like I hoped they would. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes back to, okay, do I still trust God wants my good? Back to the message yesterday. Do I still trust that Jesus came yeah. not to take my joy, but to give me the fullness of his, even if it's not exactly what I asked for? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Boy, I just went off a little rant there. But I think that's a that's a powerful little part of Scripture, Second Samuel 12. Yeah, I mean, it just that's what, that's what stuck out to me. It was just like it, that one out of all of them was, was a... You know, it was just it jumped out at you. It jumped out because it was like, well, it's also because you knew the child died. One of I didn't mention things, that. In the I sermon. know you didn't, and I, I immediately was like, probably a lot of people that were listening to me teach. I thought, knew. I thought, oh, yeah. well, that's not that one didn't didn't work out so yeah, well, right? But um, you know, it's just like one of these things is not like the other, and and uh, you know, it comes back to do we do what Jesus did and what Jesus commanded us to do because it works, or, or do we do it because it's what He commanded us to do and we trust Him and we know He loves us? Yeah. Because the former, it can't be the way we live. Mm-hmm. D- does loving your enemies work every time? No. <laughs> no. It might even go really poorly for you. Yeah. And yet it's what Jesus modeled. It's what Jesus taught us to do. We don't do it because it works. We do it because it's, it's, what, it's what he commanded. It's what he modeled. Yeah. And we trust him. Yeah. Okay. We got to wrap this up. We got an interview to get to. Um, what can we, uh, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, looking at, at the, um, the practicality, uh, next week, what can we expect? I don't want to spoil it, man. I, the main thing <laughs> I would say is get yourself a stinking awaken packet, the yellow book. It's called revival starts here. The subtitle is a short conversation on prayer, fasting and revival for beginners like me. And short is correct. It's very short. I'm not exaggerating. It's very short. Lots of margin. <laughs> Uh, in the book, uh, I'll bet you can read it, uh, even for you, uh, slower readers, I bet you can read it in easily under an hour. Yeah. Uh, for you speed readers like you, Brooke, you could read oh, it man, in probably me... 20 minutes. You're pretty sharp. 
Well, I, I found a um, I found an audio book of it on. Uh, well, on, you go one point five speed too, on Amazon, you? and I slowed it down because I was like, I want to go through this and like highlight some you? stuff. I haven't finished it, uh, but I've, <laughs> I've only read like an hour. No, that's not true. I finished it last year. Okay, and I started it again last week. Oh, cool. Just to as we were going into it, I thought, yeah. well, I don't want to just assume I remember everything from it. So, uh, so I started going back through it, and I've only spent about an hour on it, and um, I'm a few chapters in, but. Um, well, I, I want to yeah. I, I want to uh, tease you if if you have the packet already, the last couple chapters of this book, spoiler alert, it's what I want to teach on Sunday. Yeah. I, I really, it's called Ready, Set, Go. It's let's let's get after it. Let's get practical, um, and and I'm going to add a couple a couple of my own thoughts. But but by and large, we're we're just we're just right out of this book. If you don't have the packet yet, even bigger reason to follow along with the teaching this Sunday. Come to church with us. Uh, follow along online. And, um, and I, I mean, let's, let's double our efforts to get some more packets for people. Yep. So we'll get that, uh, we'll get that going. Um, we will get to the interview here in just a second. Um, so we will have some of those packets available, we believe on Sunday, as I said, we're still working out details to make sure that can actually happen, but I would expect that that'll happen. So, um, so yeah, we, uh, we will, we will get right on that. And everybody that does not have one that wants to get one, this will be one of your last chances this weekend to get one before we get started. And that's not just about the, did you read the fasting book before we start, but also the 30 day prayer guide that we're going to go through is in that packet. And it's the only way to get that packet. The, uh, the list of names that are, uh, that are, are in each one of these packets. You're not going to get a list of names unless you get a packet. So, uh, and, and the nice thing is if we do this again next year, you know, within, then you don't have to buy a whole packet because you, you got everything. We can figure out maybe another way to do it if we do it again. So anyway, get one of those this weekend. Um, that'll be the best, the best option. So this has been the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com or from our app in the App Store, the Google Play Store. We love to hear from you. Send us your comments, your questions, your feedback to podcast at clonechurch.com. Thanks for listening. We're picking up a conversation again next week. I was about to say we'll get to the interview, and Lauren wants to say something else. No, I just didn't know if you remembered this amazing interview that you're about to tag on. Uh, Thank you to Ken Holsberry (laughs) and for uh, sharing life with us. And uh, you guys will really enjoy this conversation Brooke had with Ken. All right. We'll pick it up next week and enjoy the conversation. All right, we're back here, and I am here with Pastor Ken Holsberry from the Tenth and Broad Church of Christ. And how are you today? I'm great, thanks. <laughs> good, good. I apologize uh, because you and I started having conversation, and I didn't hit record, and it was all great stuff. So we're going to try it all and see how it goes. Okay, so you are the preaching minister, is that correct? Yes, sir. All right, how long have you been at, at uh, Tenth and Broad? As the preaching minister, I've been there three years. I was there for 17 years before that as the associate minister. Okay, okay. And in between? I got to preach uh, one other place in between, yeah. Okay, awesome. So um, tell me about yourself. Tell us about uh, tell family. Um, what's your church all about? All right. Fill us in. Who, who is Ken Holsberry? Ken Holsberry. He's pretty boring. Uh, <laughs> oh, come but, on. But uh, married, <laughs> married to a great lady named Paula Holsberry, and we've been married for... Uh, 30 years. Wow. And That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. And two great, uh, amazing sons okay. who are both adults and married, and one's given me three grandchildren, and that's the very best thing that's happened. That's incredible. That's we could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> and um, Papa is the is the best part of who I am. Um, and um, 
man, I just for me, I love to be outdoors, and for me, that looks like raising cows in, okay. a, in a garden and that kind of stuff. So we live out in the country, and and that's that's where I kind of replenish myself is digging in the dirt and that's messing cool. around with that kind of stuff. So, yeah. and the uh, opposite of me, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, and 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 Tendon Broad is a church, a, man, a downtown church that's been around for a hundred and almost fifteen years. Wow, and. Um, and a, a church that kind of raised me. I moved there when I was 26 years old, and they raised my family, and I love them dearly, hmm. and I uh, am really honored to, to be their preacher. Well, that's really cool. So uh, it's Church of Christ. Yes, sir. Um, we are associated with the Baptist. Uh, it, what what does that mean for those of us that don't have experience? I grew up with um, one of my best friends growing up is, is Church of Christ, and uh, we never went to church together. We always did school and sports and college and all those things together, and then, but we never really crossed paths on the other side. So, what is what is a Church of Christ? Um, what's that denomination, and what's the, what's the difference there? Well, I mean, it's a fair question. I want to begin by saying I love talking about what we have in common more than I like that's talking great. about what we, we I, have I, different. I, yeah, that's good. But, that's good. But. Um, but most people say, oh, y'all are the ones who don't believe in music. Okay. And because we, we just sing. And okay. that's the thing that defines us more than anything else. And I'm glad to have that yeah. tradition. I hate that that's what defines us. I want Jesus Christ to sure. define us more than anything. But that's what people usually know about us is we choose to worship with just singing and, and uh, call it acapella music. And okay. So, um, but other than that, uh, we have a really high view of Scripture. That'd be one of the things, and not us alone, obviously, but that'd be one of the things that that is very, very important to yeah. us. Kind of a, our roots go back to some guys who said, "Let's let's just read the Scripture and let's see mm-hmm. what it tells us to do, and let's try to do it." Yeah. And and so uh, that's been that's been uh, part of who we are. Yeah. And uh, I'm thankful for that high view of Scripture and, and try to stay very, very true to that. That's cool. What about what about some of the similarities? I don't know if you if you know the Baptist world enough to say this is where we we align a lot. And I'm I'm new to uh, I wouldn't say new to Baptist, but as far as some of the you know doctrinal the practices yeah. and those kinds of things, where would you say we're similar? You know, one of the things I think that we have in common are uh, uh, autonomy in our congregations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, each congregation really does get to make a lot of its own decisions. Yeah, and uh, are led by folks who are in that congregation, yeah. elders and pastors, and so I think that's a, a great trait that we we have in common. That's cool. Besides that, just obvious, sincerely, and I mean this with all my heart, I want to find unity with people who are following Jesus. Yeah. So. And that's that's something that's been um, that's really been on our hearts here for the past oh I don't know year or so maybe two years now that um, you know one of the things that we want to see is how, how can we be a part of uniting the city mm-hmm. and so um, with something you know awakened that we've that we 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 just talked about it with our our church right. this past weekend and obviously um, we're going to hear about from you today but. Um, that's you know that's one of the things that we really care about is how can we come together with the other expressions of the church and uh, where there are similarities and differences and both can be good and how do we how do we come together and unify um, to reach the city to pray for the city to uh, to to be the church here in in Wichita Falls what um, so so denominationally that's 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 cool um, we have different ones and that's fine what do you love about Tenth and Broad you've you, you've been there now 20, 20 years that you've been in Tenth and Broad and your family grew up there and what is it what is it you love about Tenth and Broad Tenth and Broad is a very grace filled place as I look back on my time there and even stories that go back beyond me it's always been a place that people could come to heal 
And I love that about yeah. that church. They are really welcoming and and embrace folks and are very, very graceful. And I think that's a, a great trait of our church. Is that's really a cool. place for people to come and heal. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's dive into um, Awaken and looking towards uh, towards what we're going to do here. Uh, there, there are what nine churches? Is that correct? That's right. So, what are what, uh, you don't have to list off the churches, but I'm curious, like, what other expressions are are a part of it this year? Yeah, we've got Church of Christ, we've got Baptist, we've got Methodist, we've got non denominational, we've got community, we've got uh, yeah, we've we it's it's a great mix That's of churches. Cool. That's really cool. Well, we are we are excited to be a part of it. Excited that uh, that you you brought this. So, where did where did Awaken come from? How did you get involved with it? Where did, where did, where where where, yes. where did it come from? What yes. are we doing? Uh, Awaken started in the a congregation in Nashville, Tennessee, called the Ethos Church. Okay, and Dave Clayton is the preacher of that church, and. For them, it started in a season of prayer and fasting that their church was doing, and God really put on his heart one day to, when he was praying for his sons, his little boys, God said, what would you do if one of your boys went missing? And he thought, my goodness, I mean, I would do everything to find my child. And he said, he heard God say to him, that's the way I feel about my kids. Mm. And the church has quit looking for them. Hmm. And so I want you to go wake up my church. And so out of that moment, uh, he, he came up with this plan. He and other folks at his church came up with this plan that they were going to pray for every single person in Nashville, Tennessee by name. Wow. And to do that, they had to gather other churches. Yeah. And so they went about doing that. I then heard about it. I was on a—this was back during COVID in a conference that I would have gone to. I was doing online, and Dave Clayton was speaking, and he started sharing it, and it just it jumped out at me because I have been for quite a long time about unity, yeah. um, looking for opportunities for unity. Back in Wichita Falls, when we started going through the drought in 2011, God put it on my heart then to join, bring churches together to pray for rain. Mm. Colonial was one of the churches we got to partner with. for. We did several prayer events over those three or four years mm. um, in different locations around the city and had different pastors involved, different churches involved just to come together, because we could all come together over the drought and we're praying for rain. And so that was just uh, getting my feet wet. And so when I heard about this, I thought, man, that is right where my heart is. And so I contacted them. They've been incredibly helpful in uh, getting the resources and and that kind of thing to me. And so last year, I called my church to do this, and we joined up with one other church that we already had a real close relationship Mm -hmm. with. And, and the preacher and I had a good relationship. And so together, we did Awaken last year in March. And um, that particular expression of it, instead of praying for the whole city, because our two congregations, it would have been a lot of names to pray for, we, <laughs> we each, each person in our church wrote down eight names of someone that yeah. they know and care about who was lost, okay. and we prayed for eight people. Mm. And today, I was going back through my eight names, getting ready to talk to the church this week. Yeah. And I'm so excited to say that of the eight people that I put on my list that I prayed and fasted for for 30 days last year, I can directly describe to you five of them how they have made incredible leaps of faith. Uh, Several of them have been baptized, one of them getting his family back in church, one of them... Anyway, several. There's only, only one of them I had a couple of spiritual conversations with, but it never went further, and there's two of them. I know God's work in their life. I just don't know how. Sure. But I love the fact that I can look back, yeah. and God answered my specific prayers yeah. for eight lost people last yeah. year, 
and I can I can see where he's saved five of them. And so I know other people have those stories as well, not just me. Yeah, I was going to say, so So as as that's some example of, of how God used Awaken in your life last year, mm-hmm. or, or even in, in the lives of those eight, eight people, um, what about your church? Was there, um, you know, how did it go as a church? Is something new? Was that, was it, had you guys done anything like that before? How did it go as a church? We had never done any kind of fasting and praying like this mm-hmm. uh, before. Fasting was just something we were just learning about. Really? And... Uh, and so, no, it was a brand new deal, and it was it was great. We we ended up having uh, out of that one of the ladies in our church. God gave her a vision for a ministry at an apartment complex hmm. that we already had been trying to reach out to. Okay, and God just laid out a, a plan for her that we were able to do this summer, and we got involved in the apartment complex. That was something very specific. I mean, she will say it was while I was fasting and praying that. God kind of gave me this vision, and, yeah. and our church responded to that. Other folks uh, um, had you know good responses with people that they were fasting and praying for, and, and we were able to get a number of folks in what we call D groups, discipleship groups, mm-hmm. and and again just kind of help them to learn to lead and I mean to trust and follow Jesus. So, yeah, I would not say that we had uh, you know it wasn't like some overwhelming numerical growth in our church, but that's really not what this was about. Yeah. So God God actually, several of these people that I was praying for, they're in other churches, mm. and that's fine with me, yeah. but they're following Jesus. Yeah. So. so how does your, when you when you come back around to it for year two, how does your church respond to, it's time for Awaken again? Well, I think they respond well, because uh, I think they can see uh, this was a good thing last year. Yeah. God is, and the vision is even bigger this year, because yeah. we really are... When we finished Awaken last year, my prayer immediately was, God, next year I want to pray for our whole city. I want some way for us to pray for every name in our city. And I didn't know what that was going to look like, (laughs) but I started just with the other preachers and pastors that I knew. And I said, hey, would you come and join me for lunch? I want to tell you about this idea. And they did. And almost all those guys that day said, man, we're on board. And so I said, okay, your next job is you go get all the guys you know. <laughs> That's right. We're going to have another more. lunch. Yeah. And we probably had five or six lunches over three or four months uh, last spring and in summertime. And uh, I'm thankful we got nine churches involved. And, and that made it enough people that uh, involved in those churches that we are going to get to pray for every household is the way it's going to end up being broken down. There are yeah. over 31,000 households in Wichita Falls that they were able to identify, and uh, and we've bro- broken that down into 15 names uh, a person, and so everybody will get to pray for 15 households by name hey, that's, and fast. That's, that's well, awesome. It I, is I, incredible. I'm so thankful God answered that prayer. I can't do that math in my head, but just the fact that there's 15 names on that list, and that's what I get, right. and then there's enough people involved that you know that many people are going to be doing it. So that's that's just a really cool... Um, yeah, it's, it's an awesome goal. I love that. I love that. That was the goal of how do we get every person household prayed for yeah. here in the city for the whole month. Like yeah. that's that's really cool. Um, so, will you guys? How how will you guys go about it at church? Is it just? Uh, is it something that you're going to lead through all the time? Um, is it kind of a hey, we're doing this and let's share stories at the end? How do you guys experience this? Well, I mean, we'll we'll go through it together in terms of uh, you know every single day. There's there's a book that you'll use uh, everybody who's participating. There's a book called Jesus Next Door right. that I really love because it gives you a great devotional thought. But then what I love about the book is it gives you at the end of that day some specific ways to pray. Mm. Because for me, I sometimes get caught up in just saying, "Well, Lord, would you bless them?" 
and and I want him to bless them, but I want to ask more specifically than that. Right. And so every single day, everybody participating will be praying the exact same, very specific things mm-hmm. for mm. all the people of our city. So I like that, that we are all on the same page. Some of our folks will do it alone. Uh, we have some who are going to get together in groups and, and pray and, and do experience this, you know, as a group. And so, um, and obviously we'll... We'll want to collect all the great stories we can collect and see what God is doing. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. One of the things I love about it is, is how intentional it is, not just in, uh, in the let's pray for everybody. You know, that, that can be, as you said, that's a super general thing, but if you can pray for something specific, yes. how can I really make a difference in your life? How can I actually help you rather than just say, love you, yeah. yay, yeah. You know, so I, I love the fact that it's not just and and we've we've done um, we've done done prayer and fasting things here uh, at Colonial for usually starting off the year and and maybe mm-hmm. it was just um, you know my my direct involvement or maybe over involvement because we're working at a church things just kind of everything kind of happens and so sometimes I felt like doing it it was uh, for me at least it was it wasn't as intentional as it could have been it was like intentional of like okay I'm I'm denying something and I'm praying more and I'm reading something specific and but I love the intentionality of this to say okay we're using this time not just to draw closer to God and not just for God to reveal things in us or to not deny something and fill our lives with Christ rather um, but we're also going to direct that someplace else and not at ourselves and direct it at, at these yeah. these people. Or I love the back of it that's, uh, you know, the neighbor, um, the, the, the list of people that are around you mm-hmm. and, and to think about, okay, who, who do I work with? Who do I, who do I uh, hang out with and eat with and, and live nearby and play with and, um, and, and to direct all that energy and focus towards, um, you know, what, what can God do in their lives and not be focused on ourselves. So absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I love it. So, what else? Anything else? What else excites you about about what we're about to do here in February? Oh man, I, I love the unity. I love that we've got, like you you said, expressions of churches, expressions of faith. I love that we've got multiple expressions of faith who are coming together. That's answering God's Jesus mm. prayer in in John uh, for unity. I yeah. love that part of it. That so excites me. Um, I love the I love the intentionality of it. I love that we'll all be doing the same things. I love that this is the heart of God. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's it's the commission He gave us to go and make disciples, and uh, and so He cares about every single person. And it's so easy for me to just focus on my church. And mm. uh, I want to. I love that we're getting to focus on our city. I want Wichita Falls to thrive. Yeah. I want schools mm-hmm. to be better off because families are better off because individuals are following Jesus. I want mm-hmm. neighborhoods to be let have less crime and for folks to get along better door to door. I want. I want our community, our economy, and our government to thrive. To I'm so thankful that uh, I can go to the. City council meeting, and I get to do that sometimes and pray there. I'm so thankful our city council still prays before their meetings. Yeah. I, I want more of that in our mm. city, not less of that. And so so selfishly, I'm, I love that uh, this is going to be a blessing for Wichita Falls because God's going to do good things. Yeah. So what? What? Well, I'm just curious. Is there something specific about? Because this, this is a large pack of things, yes. right? So there's there's a, fift, a list of 15 people. There's the the revival book. There's the the 30 day prayer guide. There's the postcards. Um, I'm missing something. Well, so the journal that's in there. Um, what is it? As as somebody that's done this before, I look at all this and I'm like, okay, all right, one thing at a time here. We'll, we'll, I can tackle this. We'll get there. But what what would you say is your favorite part of 
all of this stuff here that we're that we're just our our people are just now getting in their hands. Okay. Wow, that's a really good question that I don't know if I have an answer to. A favorite part, um, <laughs> all of it. Yeah, all of it. But I guess you know, honestly, I would say I, w- I was I was more than pleasantly surprised at the quality of the devotional time mm. in this book. Yeah. They really did a good job. It was not cheesy. It was not fluff. Hmm. It was it was grounded in scripture, and it always came up. And I've already said this, but it's my favorite thing, I guess. It always came up with some really good, meaty, specific things I could yeah. pray about. Yeah, and that that meant a lot to me. That's cool. Because again, I've got names I'm praying for. I want these things to happen for them. Yeah, that's great. So uh, as the preaching pastor at, at Tenth and Broad as the husband and grandfather, Ken, uh, what'd, you, what'd you say? What's your grandpa name? Papa. Papa. Um, how can we pray for you? How can we pray for Tenth and Broad? Um, how can we all be a part of, of lifting you guys up in the same way? All right. Well, for our church, one of the things I've prayed for over a year comes out of Ezekiel in the dry bones mm-hmm. uh, story, and, and I've, I've prayed that God would fill us with His Spirit and give us life so that we and everyone around us would know that He is God. So I'd, I'd love for you to join me in that prayer. God, That's just great. fill us with the Spirit and give us life and so we'd know He is God. Um, I, I, want, uh, I want that for all, the, all of our churches, really. But yeah. yeah, that's what I'd ask you to pray for me. So, and and uh, I, man, I, that's, that's what comes to my mind. That's great. Pastor Ken, thank you for, for driving over here, sitting down with me and messing with microphones fun. And, and, and being a part of this. Thank you for leading the charge here in Wichita Falls to gather up pastors from all over the place. I know, I know uh, Lauren is bummed that uh, he is uh, quarantined right now, so I didn't allow him to come and, and be a part of this. And I know he's, he was looking forward to this conversation. And He has been a huge encourager to me uh, about good. Awaken. His excitement is contagious. I love that. <laughs> Yes, yes, he gets he gets pretty excited, and he is very excited about this. And and I know we we've we've been talking about this for a long time, um, so it's it's exciting that it's uh, that it's finally here. But I will say this: my grandkids' other grandparents go to Colonial. Oh so yeah! Shout out to the Skipworths. So nice. I want I want all good things for this church because of them. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you for coming over here, sharing your heart with us, um, your uh, your story there at Tenth Broad, and what you guys are all about. And um, we will be continuing to pray for you guys as well as uh, what seven other churches um, on on top of that as we all go through this together and and uh, pray for thirty one thousand plus households around the city. So. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, and um, we will um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brooke.